Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. Uh, before we get underway with the show, I just want to turn it over to Mike real quick. He uh, has something that he would like to say, so uh, Mike, uh, the mic is yours. Yeah, This is some podcast-related news and some significant podcast-related news. Uh, Joe is not going to be able to continue to do the show as my co-host. Um, the show is still going on. Uh, Tom and I are going to be the new Bantering the Blue Shirts uh, for the foreseeable future, and I'm excited about that because Tom and I get along. Uh, we're both big, dumb teddy bears. Uh, we both care a lot about hockey and the Rangers, and I feel like of all these, all the times you've been our number one guest uh, to fill in, you've, you know, you've definitely had some positive feedback from our listeners, and I know I enjoyed do- doing the show with you. Um, and frankly, I'm sick and tired of that Joe asshole. Just not a good guy. Uh, doesn't work hard in the corners. Uh, not a good Canadian kid. Uh, we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, Joe. You know, Joe had a promotion at his day job, uh, which is gonna leave him Yay, with a Joe. lot less time. And he also is. He and his wife keep squirting out babies, and uh, which is a lovely thing. But it also doesn't leave a lot of time for podcasting. Big time commitment. But, babies yeah. over podcast. Yeah, apparently babies are work, Tom. They take time and work. You have to make sure, you know, they eat food and... You Change them, dress them, clothe them, you know, wash they them. They can't just have a sack of their own crap wrapped around their crotch all day. Like, you have No to one wants that. that. Nobody wants that. Anyway, so it's going to be... Uh, like, I guess you could say this is the first chapter of a new era of the show, but you've already been doing the show with me for like a month and a half now, so... Um, you know, I guess that was just like a like a preamble, a little a little preface to yeah. to where we are now. And you know, like I said, the good thing is Joe, when he can be on the show, he will be. He'll be our he'll be our most frequent guest, I'm guessing. And you know, we'll just figure out when we can have him, and, and we can you know have fun recollections of crazier, sillier times. But for now, it's it's Tom and I. I'm excited. And I know Tom's excited. We're looking forward to it. Tom is actually going to be able to do. Uh, editing and adding music and things that uh, was simply beyond Joe, uh, because again, he was Joe. <laughs> but yeah, so the show is probably going to be improved in many ways. Uh, for those of you who really love Joe, I don't know why you would, but uh, I'm you know he'll still be around. He'll still be running the banter. So this podcast will still be very much, you know, have his filthy fingerprints all over it. But it's uh, it's our show now, Tom. It's the Mike and Tom show. For Tom and Mike, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, you know, it's uh, been fun doing this with with you, and you know, the times in the past where I was a guest with you and Joe, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be able to, you know, continue trying to bring you know some high energy so we get those five star reviews in uh, iTunes. You know, always drop a line. You know, a little comment. You know, a little joke. You know. A, uh, yeah, Tom, I've sorts. slowly but surely wriggled Tom out of his shell. He's become a more a goofier a goofier bastard on the show because of me. So really, the, the more nervous you get, Tom, the more I'm just going to do fun dip and drink beer and yell at you. And then we'll, we'll get you to come out of your shell more. It'll be great. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was so nervous, but like the thing is, doing it... Uh, 
you know, you and Joe had been doing it for so long where Joe really had no bones about just interrupting you at any point. And I, you know, try to be polite and, you know, every now and then, you know, it'd be like, oh man, I really want to say something here, but I don't want to throw him off of his mojos. We're sort of lately, it's sort of been like, you know what, just fuck it. Just, you know, say what, say what's on your mind. And, well, that's uh, the key to podcasting. I think right there, I cut you off. Why? Because we're having a conversation. People cut yeah, each exactly. other off all it's the time in conversation. Two-way street. Yeah. It's a greasy two-way street. Speaking of two-way streets, see, I can't even transition there. Uh, well, I guess let's start with the the news that I guess is the most impactful just for where things are is Mark Saul underwent a surgical procedure, which is a way yeah. to say surgery, uh, for an ankle infection, which doesn't, doesn't sound fun uh, to have an ankle infection. And he'll be on the shelf for half a month. They're going to review it in two weeks. Um, and so what we have now, you know, you and I kind of tag team the newser for this for banter. Um, what we had, like, and what you wrote, I think, is uh, the biggest takeaway from this, really, Tom, is it's Evaluated a in two weeks. Yeah. It's a big opportunity for, for Lindgren mm-hmm. and Lieber Hayek. Um, those guys on the left side who are the young guys, they get a big opportunity. And wouldn't you know it? Ryan Lindgren scores his first NHL goal. Uh, but b- before we get there, you know, it's... I don't know. I feel I felt sad. As I was looking at Stahl's history as a Ranger, he hasn't missed 10 or more games in a season since the season where he had his eye injury. Like... It's unfortunate. Yeah. And... and- I like unfortunate and it, unfortunate may be a word that people are interested to hear because uh, it's tough because it's hard where the line sort of blurs between how we feel about the players and their play and the players as the person and it's no surprise that Mark Stahl is no longer the player he once was but then again he's getting older he's played a lot of hockey he was one of the key members of you know what's been affectionately referred to as the black and blue shirts era um you know throwing hits blocking shots and outside of the concussions and the eye injury i would say for the most part his body held up pretty well i mean you think of you know players like callahan who would I feel really like he did, broke yeah. a number of different bones and Dan Girardi and Brandon Dubinsky who you know it's all these players that it seems that their bodies just betrayed them um even Stepan to an extent Stepan was always playing hurt like, yeah I'll never forget I think you and I on a show recently we talked about his when he had the broken jaw and he wore the like the like the yeah, football friggin thing. Brandon yeah. Prust in the playoffs like yeah, you know yeah and but like Stahl like like you said he's been he's been such a staple and like I know some people might be like oh you guys all you do is complain about you know Stahl it's like no, I don't complain about Stahl I complain about his deployment which is on the coaching staff right and I think they they put him the problem with giving those minutes to Stahl is you're putting him in a position of fail. And like by to the choice to not buy him out is also putting the organization in a position to fail. And well, yeah, that's the issue. My issue is never with Mark Stahl the person, which is why I wince and roll my eyes when there are the Ranger fans who even jokingly say, you know, they hope he's out longer term because it all. It, frankly, it's convenient that he's on the shelf because it gives those kids 
a chance. And, you know, especially on a team that has three, you know, three rookies, specifically two rookies on the blue line, and now a third rookie with Lindgren, right? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's, we get an extended look. And the other thing is, like, we know from example, Tom, that if you're, if you're the guy on this defense who's paired with Mark Stahl, your numbers just get dragged down. Um, you're on the ice when the other team has the puck and they're getting shot attempts and your goal differential and expected goal differential is going to be a mess. So I think yeah. the other thing, you know, to sort of piggyback off of that is it's also going to be somewhat of a litmus test in the sense that we can see the data that shows that okay player x is with stall their numbers tank you know with they're without him they sort of rise this is going to be an extended look and yes it says okay he's going to be evaluated in two weeks but we could come you know two weeks from now and it be worse than we thought because obviously the surgery by all counts was a success but how it heals depending on what type of infection it is if it's something that he you know for all we know he can't skate for a little bit so he's out even longer um so it's really going to give these kids an opportunity to show what they're capable of and it may also show Hey, maybe this player, you know, Libra Hayak, for an example, um, even though he's played primarily with Jacob Truba, but just using him as, as a device for this analogy, they themselves were causing more of the issues, and Stahl just happened to be the partner, you know, and they were playing all those minutes together. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I, I tweeted about it, and I sort of included it, uh, I think I did in, in an article that came up today. Do you think with stall out for at least two weeks we will see a return of brendan smith as a regular defender if it says you know becomes too much for someone like hayek or lindgren and then one of the other forwards who's been a scratch replaces him or maybe that ends up being zibanejad coming back to the lineup and uh someone bumps down that's a good question like i it's funny, like, Smith is in the lineup and you, you forget that, like, he's there. And, you know, he's an option for the coaching staff just because, frankly, it doesn't feel like they think of him as a defenseman anymore, although we do see him kill penalties on D and, um, you know, like, in situations where, like, they want to give spots someone some rest, but they also continue to just feed minutes to Truba. Um, and I don't know, the thing that I that I think about a lot is, yeah, and then I don't mean to bring us into a tangent, but the language that Quinn used um, with scratching Leah Sanderson, um, you know, and the choice not to scratch Libor Hayek, to me makes me think that maybe there's just more leash for the defenseman, um, especially because, you know, they're younger guys and maybe Leas just has a much shorter leash and that's why he felt comfortable enough to scratch him when he did, but... I don't know, bud. That's a tough call to me. Um, like, right now, like you said, the pairs have been Truba Hayek. There's Shea D'Angelo, which has been very good and also fun to watch because... Say, say what you will about Tony D'Angelo, Tom. The guy's scoring goals. And He's generating offense. Which, in a small sample size, Fox and Lindgren has been a fun pair in its, in its sample so far. Um, but Ryan Lindgren has definitely exceeded my expectations in terms of how he looks for the eye test. 
and uh, I was very happy he got his first goal. Um, he did get rocked in that same game, though, I think, by Brian Boyle. Oh, yeah, that was not um, nice. Come on, Brian Boyle. I was yeah. like, you can't be doing that stuff. <laughs> He's Yeah, like, w- when someone like Brian Boyle delivers a hit like that, you, you're going to feel it. Um, it's like a welcome to the NHL moment. Yeah, especially for a guy like Lindgren, whose his college highlight reels was nothing but just rocking people with with open ice hits and hip checks and shit. But yeah, when you, I don't think he had to run into a lot of six foot seven guys <laughs> when he played college hockey. Um, but yeah, that's that's such a good question. Like, do they move Smith back? I can see. Here's the thing. Like, I can see a scenario where it would happen. I'm just not sure. I see that scenario with this coaching staff. I feel right. like unless there's you know Something an injury else. or let's say yeah. Libor Hayek just has a, a disastrous game and they mm-hmm. they just want to sit him um, and go from there. I don't know. Speaking of Libor Hayek, and it's it's tangentially related to Ryan Lindgren, uh, it was weird because I tweeted it um, at the game how Lindgren joins the list of baby Rangers who I've seen there. Um, their first career NHL goals. And then after he took that hit, I'm saying to myself, shit, I hope this isn't like when Hayek scored his first goal and then he got hurt and was out the rest of the season. I was just having like flashbacks, like not Lindgren now, but hopefully he re- he returned to the game. So uh, good enough for him. Yeah, good enough for him. And it was, I don't know, it's, it's good. And like, again, the silver lining of the stall injury you know, is that, yeah, we get to get an extended look at these kids. And the thing that I'm most, uh, the thing that I think is the fascinating question here is, will the defense be better or worse off? Um, just in terms of, it, of how it performs as, you know, a, a group of six. Yeah. And I, I feel like the answer could go either way, but I'm leaning towards it'll probably be better off. Like, I'm somewhat optimistic, and I'm sure people are going to track this, but it's going to be better, but I think marginally better, because as we've seen so far, a lot of the defensive issues have been sort of tactical decisions, them sort of just conceding the blue line, yeah, them being a team that likes to dump and chase, give up possession, um create those you know sometimes who needs the puck tom who needs the puck that's the rangers say (laughs) yeah so it's like it's it's stupid and i i really wonder and it's like a lot of things i have opinions about things i back it up with the you know the data that i feel is relevant and i try to consider all opinions so if there's some reasoning like you know we've um, looked at X minutes of hockey and we've looked at other teams in the league and we felt that this is a strategy that has an, you know X amount success rate fine but I've just seen this system not work for a while and there's been no changes where you know poor Jeff Bukaboom got literally one season to run the D and then after some bad results it's like yeah you're gonna be like a scout for us now um but you know Lindy Ruff he's just sort of has carte blanche and I sort of wonder if this is like a retirement contract and if things don't go well he's just gonna you know go off into the sunset as he looks to you know settle down and you know enjoy the sunshine or you know yeah whatever move Lindy Ruff in scouting um I think it should be mentioned for those who are curious, you know, if, at this point of the season, Stahl's most common uh, defensive partners uh, have actually been 
it's actually it's D'Angelo and and Fox kind of tight now um, in terms of five on five pairings. But recently, it's been more of uh, been more of Fox uh, before Stahl left the lineup and before he was the healthy scratch because uh, the D'Angelo Shea pairing has been a thing for a little uh, like a hot minute now. So it's uh, to me that's very interesting. I still. Tom, I'm still flummoxed that we have. I Lieber love Hayek that word. And Lieber Hayek and Jacob Truba is still a thing. Yeah, uh, I don't glad, get that. I'm glad we're seeing Brady Shea show these little flashes of Brady Shea. I, I guess that's the way to put it. You know, nice to see him score a goal coming off a healthy very scratch. Very nice. Very nice to see him score a goal after being a healthy scratch. And that was one of those things to, to touch on was the fact that Brady Shea was a healthy scratch before Lieber Hayek was very much a and like I think the, the language Quinn used was like you know it's not that Brady deserves to be scratched we just we have to scratch somebody or something. And like the concept of he knows he can be better and I guess you can say uh, as a rookie for Hayek you're you have um, less of a um, what you're expecting out of him from a game to game basis but Brady's a guy who's been in the league. He got a big contract, and it's here's here's what I'll say. Uh, and I I was a defender of the Brady Shea contract when it was signed. If it ends up going sideways, I'll be the first to you know write a story on how I was wrong, just how I was wrong on how last year I had said, oh, it's early, you know, before they sort of had you know this this you know grander plan for the build maybe they should see what Mika's advantage its trade value is and you know that was a really dumb idea but you know what I, I owned up to it um if Brady Shea is going to be this year's Tony D'Angelo in the sense of Quinn is going to you know try and do you know circle circle square square triangle up down up down with him to try and get the most out of him and it turns him into being a successful player yeah i'm i'm fine with it because you can look at what shea was doing and the numbers you know by and large i believe in terms of how he ranks relative to defenders were good but he's a player and we saw it last year there were there were times where he had games where he was just off or it was more you know mental mistakes um and ultimately he's going to be a big part of this team they they hope so on the left side because really you until you have Keandre Miller in the picture you don't have a lot there um so yeah but yeah Hayek I would hope he can sort of figure it out but uh I think he could benefit from a game off and just sort of getting a fresh perspective and yeah Jacob Truba could use a new partner for a game or two because uh, that's yeah, been rough. I'm inclined to think that Hyatt could benefit from a a week or two in Hartford at this point. But well, the I shame just, of it is that Rakoff has been hurt, so it's not like who would yeah. be your your first guy to call up on the left side? Because I know on the right side, Joey Keane has played exceptionally Joey well has in been, Hartford. It's been unbelievable. The, what like I. Joey Keane was very much an overlooked prospect after, you know, the way the Rangers panned out on the blue line. And, you know, you have Nils Lundqvist, you have Keandre Miller, and even, you know, you have Libor Hayek. And, of course, uh, you know, Rikov, like you just mentioned. And Joey Keane was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's also there. But he was not 
I don't think anyone expected him to have the sort of start he's had in Hartford so far. It's been unbelievable. He's been... He, I, last I looked, I think he's the team's leading goal scorer. Um, which, if you told me, Tom, that after John Gilmore left, that the Rangers would have another offensive defenseman emerge and have a, the impact that Joey Keen has had, I'd tell you you're full of shit, but that's what he's doing. Scoring goals and buckets. So... Which is great, because he's still producing even after Filipita left. I think the, I wrote about it in the, the Rangers' radar. The Wolfpack did go on a three-game uh, losing streak with uh, Filipito getting called up to the Rangers. Obviously, you know, it's them losing their first-line center is a lot like the Rangers losing Mika Zibanejad. Like, you're going to feel it throughout the lineup. Um, and, you know, it's placed a, a big test on that team, and... Another positive of that, frankly, is we're learning a lot about Adam Huska and Igor Shosturkin, and, and that they're both very good goalies. So I pulled uh, up. Actually, we, I uh, pulled uh, up. Let's take a quick, a quick hot, dirty break uh, for an ad that Tom will do a better job editing in than Joe ever did, and uh, we'll come right back. Oh, we ca- we came right back. Hi, Tom. You were in the middle of saying something before I cut you off. It's okay. I was going to say I had pulled up the, the stats, and before we take a quick ad break, I wanted to see if you could guess, with Joey Keane leading the team with six yeah. goals, who is in second place tied? Well, there's two people tied in second with four goals apiece. Who are those two Hartford Wolfpack members? See, I know, I think one is Phil DiGiuseppe. He has three goals. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. I was going to say, I know it's not Daniel Regan because he's been setting up goals. He doesn't have a lot of goals himself. So I'm going to say it's going to be Vinny Letary. Ding, ding, ding. And the other one that I should know, but it's escaping me and I'm buying myself time. He's really so, tall. It's very... Uh, no, it's, it's, it's not Gettinger, is it? It is. He has four goals, one assist, five points for the Hartford Wolfpack. And... The top five in just point scoring, it's Letary with 11, Keane with 10, Fogarty with 10, O'Regan with 10, and oh yeah, uh, Filipito with nine points uh, to round out the uh, the top five. So yeah, yeah damn. there's there's a lot of skill in uh, you know, this Hartford Wolfpack team. You know, Chris Knobloch and company's done a good job, I think. Yeah, the thing that's most encouraging about that to me is the fact that the guy, a lot of the guys that are doing well aren't just a journeyman. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not just fucking, you know, Peter Holland. Um, like obviously you have Daniel Regan producing, and you have uh, Phil DiGiuseppe scoring goals. Like Tom mentioned, he had three, and you have Daniel Regan, a big part of the offense. He's been great for Hartford this year. He was definitely a great signing. But to have Joey Keenan in there, to have Tim Gettinger in there, as guys who are leading the team and like Letary, I think everyone knows he's not going to be an NHL level player. The same is true of Stephen Fogarty um, or Fogarty. And like the thing to me that stands out is there's still there's still a lot to be optimistic about in Hartford, even though there's no Kravstov, there's no Heedel, and that probably the biggest the biggest things to look forward to in Hartford this year are the goalies because both goalies are big deals, especially Shesterkin and Joey Keane is becoming that you know, the Rangers might have something there. It's still early, don't get me wrong, but he just keeps scoring goals, Tom. Speaking of it being early, I'm only bringing this up just because I saw someone tweet about it, but uh, 
So Hunter Skinner, who was drafted 112th overall in the fourth round in this previous draft, he's a defenseman for the London Knights. He's got 15 points in 16 games. I uh, I did not expect that. So uh, thank you uh, f- to uh, oh man, they already to Dave Hollenberg for tweeting that because I wouldn't have believed that either. Yeah, I remember he he landed on my Rangers radar um, at, towards the end of last week, and like when we had the scouting report on Hunter Skinner, I don't think anyone was really expecting him to be a guy who's going to put up points this season. Uh, I think he plays he plays for London, right? And, he does. Yeah, and he's you know he's he's doing his thing. I should also mention we ended up talking prospects here, which is always fine by me. Um, Morgan Barron, uh, his his season at Cornell finally started and. It started just the way that Morgan Barron's, you know, sophomore season went. He had back-to-back two-point games to start his year uh, with Cornell, which is awesome. Um, another, you know, he's a prospect. The Rangers is 174th overall in the 2017 draft, Tom, and he's a guy who, you know, he that guy might be an NHLer one day. By gum, he looks good, and he continues to produce college level, and that's that's frankly fantastic so very encouraged about Morgan Barron and uh Keandre Miller I know some people were sweating it I know we talked about it on the uh the bantering points last week mm-hmm. but you know he's it's important to note he I think last I looked he had three goals in eight games last year he only had he had five goals in 26 games so I'm not I'm not worried about anything with Keandre Miller and yeah. uh especially because of that offense I think we mentioned this last week as well but you add Cole Caulfield, your offense is going to change. Um, it's going to run uh, through him for in yeah. terms of goal scoring. So, which is fine because I'm sure there's going to be more assists coming to Andre Miller. Just a question of, you know, it'll just take some time. I, I more points are going to come to him because he's that kind of a player and he plays a very big role for that team. But um, I mean, we talk stall. We randomly talk prospects. I guess we should talk about. Some of the, the hockey we saw, yeah, because it was a busy uh, week. You, you, you said the Rangers are going to split. I said they're going to lose both games, and they're back to back. The Rangers beat Detroit five to one, um, and the, really they dismantled them. I think Quinn was very happy after that game. But again, Detroit's the worst team in the league uh, in terms of its in terms of the standings and everything else. So, uh, but the big takeaway f- for me, uh, other than the fact that our Temi Panarin. Um, you know, continues to be Artemi Panarin, which is fun. And, of course, it just keeps happening, Tom. Ryan Strom keeps doing his thing. Holy shit, like, he's... Yeah. Oh, like, my God. Energizer Bunny, he just keeps on ticking. I don't understand it. And I've reached the point where I don't think it's a problem anymore, frankly, because I'm trying to see it from the... They're going to be able to sell this guy for a fleet of yachts at the deadline. But <laughs> yeah, seriously. The real problem, of course, is the Rangers say, I don't know, maybe he can be part of the rebuild um, because he has a pending RFA, so... Oh, boy. Yeah, that feels, would be bad because... It like, feels like a pitfall they could easily fall into to me. And it's, uh, you know, the, um, the, the money that that would, uh, you know go into and it's, yeah, you, you, just, you just don't want that. And yeah, like you had said, I had predicted a split. Um, I thought that the Rangers would win against Detroit, even though 
Jimmy Howard has played his mind out um, against the Rangers for his entire career. I think it was something to the effect of he had um, goals against average, I think, below two and a save percentage in, like, the 930s or 940s. Yeah, yeah, like a 942 career save against the Rangers. It was insane. Yeah, what I did not expect was the Rangers to take care of business. Well, let me me repeat that. Look. Not so much to the Rangers take care of business against the Carolina Hurricanes, but Henrik Lundqvist to take care of business against the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh yeah, that was forty-five saves. Show. Like holy shit! Yeah the the Corsi disparity in that game. I just brought Not it up close. right now. It was seventy-one to twenty-nine, Tom. And the Rangers were not the seventy-one. Um, I was even a the, smack even in the, the face. Even the hard shots, I think the Rangers had, it was 19-47. to 47. This was just, Henrik Lundqvist is just still one of the best goalies in the league. Like, if anything, the way he's played, and I know, you know, he had a crazy game against Florida where, you know, that game went 5-5 five to five and then the Rangers lost in the shootout. And, like, how can you say he's that good after allowing five goals? If you look at Lundqvist's numbers and, and the amount of goddamn shots he faces, the amount of pressure he's under, he, I, what he's doing at this age is amazing. And to, like, the Hurricanes are a legitimately great team. Like, I wrote for Sporting News, I, I paint, like, it killed me to leave the Hurricanes out of the playoff picture, but I thought mm-hmm. I wanted to be ballsy and fun and say Columbus was going to make it over them. Right. I regret that. I've like that's something I regret. Like someone's gonna find that and call me out on it on Twitter, and they're gonna call me mean names and make me sad. Um, especially because I'm one of those people who I've believed in Carolina for a while now, but I just, I just felt like the Atlantic Division was too deep. But goddamn, Carolina's a fun team, and they played fun. Forty-seven shots, and uh, and the other thing that was crazy about this game was. It was not a lot of pa- not a lot of special teams played. This was just wide open crazy hockey, and Henrik Lundqvist was just the best player on the ice. Yeah, and it's it was it wasn't like one of those games where you have people that say, "Oh, you know, th- it's gaming Corsi," and it's a situation where um, you know the the Hurricanes were just tossing it from anywhere. I think what it was, and the final score was four to two. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was I think the Hurricanes had something to the effect of it was supposed to be like five expected goals, five on five, yet they only had two. Oh, let me look really quick. Yeah, yeah, they were no, they were expected. It was like a have, disparity. Yeah, it, they were expected to have four expected goals okay. to one one and a half goals. Gotcha. Which is a, still a, a bonkers. And they also dominated the high danger course he forced sixty seven percent to thirty three percent. So every metric we have, Tom <laughs> They shouldn't have won that game. That, yeah, Carolina was supposed to win this game. And the thing that's great about analytics and the eye test is like everyone who watched this game will agree that Lundquist stole the game. And like hats off to the Rangers for scoring four goals, obviously, and uh, you know, you know. I think Adam Fox is, was an empty netter, his the second uh, goal of his career. But my big takeaway from this, other than Hank, is I really think Buchnevich has been playing great, and Filipito scored in this one, Tom, and he scored against Florida. The Filipito, like the Filipito redemption tour, 
that has happened since this call-up has been my favorite storyline of the year. That it worked. Like, sending a kid down to Hartford, he got motivated, and it worked. Like, thank goodness it worked. It was, Four goals in six games. This is pretty efficient. Still doesn't have an assist, though. He's not a team player, Tom. Yeah, um, lazy. But, I mean, god damn, does he look good. It's, again, small sample size, but this kid's only 20 years old. And to have him look this confident with the puck, because that's the thing I've been noticing with him. He just looks so savvy and dangerous with the puck. He's making plays now. And, like, something I've really noticed this season is Capo Caco, especially on the power play, just seems like he's afraid to shoot. He always wants to do the extra pass. He's always looking to set his teammates up. And I feel like Chris Kreider or someone needs to take him aside and be like, listen, kid, just shoot. Be selfish. Yeah, and and he's a naturally unselfish player. Yeah, and the thing that I think I've noticed is... He's he number one. He doesn't like to shoot um, on the power play, and it worked for him um, in you know Sunday's game. He yeah. likes to curl to the front of the net, and it's sort of like almost crossing the royal road and just mm-hmm. putting it on net. Um, and it it's, just gets the goalie moving laterally, and he he is such a good. He's so good with his wingspan and move like he's one of those guys where. If, if he's reaching out with the puck, he can stick-handle it just as well reaching away from his body as he can if he's stick-handling with a puck in his, in his feet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for him to get another goal, another goal in the power play, again, assisted by Ryan Strom, Tom. For fuck's sake, what the hell's happening? But uh, for Capo Caco to score again is great because if... If this team needs anything, they need that kid to get confidence and to feel good about himself. Um, and not only the power play goal, but the goal in the shootout with uh, the rain, with, if he didn't score, the game would have been immediately over. I mean, yeah, ultimate- that's such a shame that uh, Vinny Trocek buried it in the next chance, and that was a great shot. And H- Hank is, I watched that game in a in a bar, and I was like, someone asked me like, is Lundqvist good in shootouts? And like, he's incredibly patient, very good, but you know. It was one of those, like, you really wish the Rangers were able to, to pull off the win with Capo Caco getting the winner. It was uh, a tease when um, when uh, Barkov didn't score. Because I'm saying to myself, I'm watching this, you know, so I was at the game uh, sitting next to my nephew, and I'm, like, just saying to myself, oh, man, like, Barkov, he, he hey, this is what he's... Your nephew got to go to his first game. Yeah, he loved it. He was... Uh, he was following all of the action. I tweeted out some, you know, some thoughts as we were sitting in the car before before he fell asleep. Like, you know, what did you think? He's like, uh, they gotta stop passing it to the other team. They looked, <laughs> they looked a little tired. They needed to show some more effort. Um, but he liked seeing all the goals, the goals scored, how you know the the music and the goal light and all that f- stuff. And uh, he's fun. looking forward to going back to uh, the garden again, which uh, we'll, we'll definitely got to bring him back. But I feel bad because I also took him to his first Met game in the summer, and they lost that game too. So I don't want this kid thinking like every time he goes, the team is going to lose. Yeah, well, it's just rotten you're a luck. Mets fan, that might be part of the deal, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm, know, so, I'm not even a baseball guy, but I just thought I'd you know. It's okay. It's I. Um, I this is my lot in life. You know, these yeah. are the teams that I've, uh, you know, hitched my wagon to, and I just tell myself that you know, 
they'll eventually win one day, and when it, yeah. it happens, it'll I mean, uh, be glorious. Yeah, it's, the, it's an infinite universe, Tom. That means somewhere on some planet, there's a bunch of blue whales that are in a SWAT team, and they're, you know, they're dropping frag grenades and smoke bombs and killing terrorists, and on a planet that's not too far away, there has to be a planet with sentient ice cream. And that also means there's a universe and a planet where, you know, or I should say a galaxy and a solar system with a planet on it somewhere where the Mets are a winning baseball team. That's that's the beauty of uh, the ever-expanding infinite universe. But there's something we haven't talked about a lot on the show, which I feel like has just been... Maybe it's because it's such a given, but I just want to talk about Artemi Panarin for a little bit. Oh boy, he is so good. We knew he was going to be good because we've seen him just destroy the Rangers. Oh, um, yeah. Specifically but, at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Like, his numbers there were incredible. I just pulled up his, just like, my favorite, uh, like, I don't know why I have a soft spot for the way that Yahoo does its hockey stats. Because their game log is very easy to, to find and look at. Mm-hmm. Um, that just Because I'm a big fan of looking at game logs and I hate the NHL.com's game log system. Anyway, um, in his last, in this last stretch, Tom... He, Panarin has points in 10 of his last 11 games and two points in his last three games. So, like, we knew he was going to be good. I don't think anyone expected him to be, like, Mika Zibanejad's out of the lineup. It doesn't matter. He's making Ryan Strom look like an all-star. That's how good this guy is. It's 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 unbelievable to me. It's incredible, and we haven't had it. We haven't had a, a Panarin in a very long time, and it's it sure is nice that he looks like he's worth the money. Of course, the real answer, Tom, as we know, is like it's only ever going to be truly worth the money when the Rangers become a cup contending team, right? But like for the time being, it seems like they picked a great piece to build around, even if it was a holy crap expensive one. And the thing about it is. It's not just the offense. It's everything he does away from the puck. His defensive positioning, how he's so tenacious about trying to take the puck, you know, once once the Rangers lose possession and his stick work and and, tick, and tipping pucks and breaking up plays. It's it's like I hate the the, the phrase, you know, 200 foot player and and you know, the connotations of that, but he's just in it and so much to the point where i think he was on the ice for the first minute and 45 seconds of overtime and like the got the dude was spent just uh you know uh, he he was just motoring around there and it's just impressive to see someone with that level of completeness and attention to detail um yeah it's great when he scores yeah it's great when he's you know working a power play you know throwing pucks uh, across the the goal mouth and you know feeding them across but for him to do all those other additional things which helps him create his own offense sort of uh, i think back to the goal he scored against buffalo when he made the defensive play brought it in and you know scored a nice one on on the back end it's just you're right we have not had a player like that uh in a while i mean i guess the closest you could say although the peak wasn't as um long was rick nash where he was just a you know good offensive player great defensive player but in terms of explosiveness like panarin is 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 something else 
Yeah, the the Panarin show has been everything I hoped it would be and more. And you watch him out there, he looks like he weighs 60 pounds less than everyone around him. And it looks like half of his weight is in his hair. And the way he it's makes... so full the, of secrets. Yeah, it's big hair, full of secrets. Shana would be proud. Um, I love being just, girls. Watching the way he plays, watching him, like I said, he's making Ryan Strom into an all-star. Um, I I cannot express, like, uh, Shana wrote a great piece about, you know, how uh, Panarin is like a a rare play-driving winger. And, you know, to some extent, Chris Kreider is too. Obviously, just not at the same level. You know, they're just, they're players that exist in different stratospheres, right? Right. and that's that's not a slight against Kreider because there's only so many Artemi Panarins in the league, but the fact that Ryan Strom, Tom, and I, I looked at this number before the show and I was just laughing to myself. Ryan Strom has 16 points already yeah. in 15 games. Tom, Ryan Strom has 16 points, and Ryan Strom. Last week we were freaking out that Ryan Strom was shooting 20 percent. Tom, he's shooting 20.8 percent. Like yeah, uh, and the thing is, he's getting more ice time than ever as a Ranger because Mika's out, mm-hmm. and he's producing on the power play a bunch. Um, I think last season he had seven power play points. He actually had four power play goals. Do you remember that? Late in the season, he started to score on the power play. Yeah, uh, he's up to five power play points. He has two game winning goals. Um, still not shooting a lot. That's the thing. He just he makes a efficiency. Count, I guess. Yeah, um, but that's. The fact that he's had the season he's had, I hope, I really hope, is just a good news for the Rangers come deadline. Um, I've got nothing against Ryan Shrum, the person. I just think, you know, he's not the a foundational piece that I think some fans are hoping he could become. Like, I don't think Ryan Strom has found money. And you had a great article about whether or not the Rangers should kind of reevaluate what they have with Strom because... Like, you know, the counting stats have been bonkers, but the thing is, like, the underlying numbers haven't changed that much. And when you watch him play away from players like Panarin, you really see the warts come out. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, in many ways is also ironically indicative, or I should say similar to what we saw with a guy like Ryan Spooner, which is where you play him in these positions where you know, he doesn't have as much around him and all of a sudden he becomes a player who you feel like is almost detrimental to your lineup. I don't think that's what Ryan Strom is. I think he's a third line guy who's been able to punch above his weight in this new jersey he's worn. And the thing that some people are saying, Tom, now is, you know, we're now looking at a seventy eight game sample size of Ryan Strom as a Ranger. In that seventy eight games, almost a full season, he has twenty three goals. And 26 assists. I get why people like him, Tom. Yeah, and I have nothing against the guy. And it's it's good for him that he is showing the level of success he had in his, uh, you know, his second year in the league or with uh, the the Islanders. And um, my point has just been this: it's he's at an age where you be wary of players who are having this type of breakout success towards the end of their prime because anything that you pay for him it's you're going to get a diminishing return because when you're you're paying someone like him 
you're going to be paying for equal to or lesser production and for where the rangers are at that doesn't make sense now if he were someone that's like i want to hang around another year which there's no way that he decides to look for a one-year deal uh he wants to get paid um you know it's it becomes the question of where does he actually fit and i think that's less of a thing now if um Heedle continues to play the way that he has. Mm. Um, but, again, what will be interesting to see is do they see um, Strom as someone that could be a winger on the right side? And right now, that's an area that you have Buchnevich and Fast and Kako and eventually Kravtsov. Um, so it's, it's just another thing that this front office and coaching staff is going to have to consider. One out of five shots, folks. That's I feel like we need a T-shirt. That's like uh, Fulton Reed yeah, in the Mighty right. Ducks. One out of one out of five. That's right. And then Fulton Reed became the uh, the lawyer in the Daredevil TV series. That's what I recognize him from now. Anyway, he's definitely a guy who looked tough as a kid. Doesn't look tough as an adult. I don't know what happened there. This was a. Fr- I guess when you're a kid and you frown a lot, you look tough. And you're tall, and you're you know lanky. Yeah. Doesn't really scare me. I guess you know what, Tom. We've had a good show. We we talked beforehand if we were going to talk about this, but it's hockey news. It's it's the hockey world. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Cherry got shit canned today. I'll, I'll I'll phrase it that way because I really am fond of the phrase shit canned, um, and deservedly so. I would say. I know not everyone. Uh, I know a lot of people are very fed up with things like cancel culture. Um, they're very fed up with people who, you know, give too much weight to, to words and language and all that stuff. But Don Cherry said some pretty blatantly xenophobic things, and he chose not to apologize for them, which is the real, that's the real craw, that's the real craw on my crook. That's the real little popcorn kernel jammed in my teeth. That's the thing that really gets me here is... This is a guy who's repeatedly put his foot in his mouth. Um, he said a bunch of ridiculous shit, some of which he's apologized for, some of which he hasn't. And he's losing his platform. And he may, you know, just like people who get to a platform like that, they get it through, um, I would imagine, through a, a combination of good fortune and, and skill and networking and you know, I, I think you also lose those positions as a result of, you know, losing those things that brought you whatever merit brought you to that position. You can lose those things by misbehavior and by putting the company that you work for in a bad light. And he did that too many times. And uh, it's a, it's to a lot of people, it's disappointing because it's the end of an era. Coach's Corner has been a thing forever in hockey. I know down in the States, it's not quite the... It's not doesn't have quite the the reverence maybe that it does up in Canada because it's it's practically like it's hockey evangelism essentially in, in Canada right but you mm-hmm. know it's uh I think it, it was one of those things that a lot of people thought was coming there was some talk that he might have got, gotten the axe um, when you know I think it's when was it Sportsnet when they were making some cuts and uh, he stuck around and stuck around long enough to say some regrettable things and here we are Tom no more Don Cherry. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting situation because the talk of the summer was 
you know, Sportsnet had, um, they had laid off a number of, of prominent personalities, whether it be, I think it was what, um, Doug McLean, uh, John Shannon, uh, I, I think Nick Kiprioso, although I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure if that was something where they just failed to, you know, like renew a contract, but the, the long and short of it is there was a lot of people who, um, you know, left the network, and one of one of the reasons behind that is, you know, the f- the financials of the NHL's, um, you know, broadcast the Canadian TV deal um, has has not worked out, um, and the part of that has been, you know, in the years that since they signed it, uh, the amount of teams that uh, or Canadian teams rather that made the playoffs, you know, weren't as high as they thought, so the, that plays a part of it. So back to Don Cherry it was sort of assumed that he wasn't coming back. And then I think it well, there was a story by Steve Simmons. And then eventually, you know, you know, it was, he's coming back for a year or whatnot. Um, but I mean, to me, and, and like you said, you touched on it. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions on, on, on this situation. Um, but it's, a, it's simply, you know, what he said, you can't say something and he, people are like, well, it's ambiguous. He said, "You people." Um, he was yeah, given. That is the you cannot you cannot get away with any. I don't care how old you are. You can't have a "you people" rant. It just it doesn't it doesn't go over well. It's the textbook. Uh oh, Grandpa's going to say something stupid. And well, yeah. The thing with Don Cherry is he said so many like harmful and ridiculous things over the years, like. He's called people who ride bicycles and who express concern over climate change pinkos. Um, he called uh, Ron McLean a, a savage and a barbarian when he ate um, seal meat as part of, like, you know, working an experience he had with indigenous people and eating, you know, seal meat like Inuits do. And, you know, he's, he's spoken out against women in, in, uh, in NHL locker rooms and all this other crap and, you know... He also had the thing with uh, the enforcers, when, like Chris Nealon and you know, Knuckles Nylon, and like the whole. They're saying, you know, there might be a connection between substance abuse and fighting. And his reaction was to call those guys pukes and turncoats. He apologized for it later, but he he's made a brand out of making ridiculous, bombastic remarks, and. He played with fire for a long time. And, like, yeah, society and culture change. And people got fed up and exhausted with his rhetoric and his crap. And that's why we ended up where we are now. I mean, he was also given an opportunity to clarify and, you know, apologize. But he chose not to. And he just left the comments as is. Um, so it's... He, he said what he said. He meant what he said. Um, and it, it's like you said, it's, you know, 2019, soon to be 2020. You you can't be making statements like that. It, it, it's wrong. And it's, it's just very frustrating because it's making a lot of assumptions on his part. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think back and there's been a lot of things where, whether it's him complaining about, you know, the Leafs not having enough guys from Ontario or, oh, they have too many Americans or it's just all of these, it's not this, like, obviously Sportsnet made a decision based on the groundswell of reactions to this incident, but there's a lot of other ones through over the years that 
they themselves said eventually enough is enough um and you know people may disagree obviously i'm not going to tell people how they should feel you may disagree with me you may disagree with mike so be it but uh it, it's it's certainly interesting how fast they reacted and i think part of it was because the apologies and i put apologies in air quotes um those sort of pr statements which sort of went out where the, the difference was ron mclean um on hometown hockey he actually apologized for his role in just sort of sitting there and nodding and yeah, he um, gave a weird thumbs up afterwards but i yeah and like I really like Ron McLean, but he's stood next to Don Cherry for a long time, and it obviously hasn't rubbed off well on him in terms of the perception and everything, and mm-hmm. and his social like you know his his image in, in the hockey community. I think he's a good person. I just think he 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 kind of get he gets paid to nod along to what Don Cherry says, and I I hope that this marks the end of that, and you know we can talk honestly about why the language that Don Cherry has chosen to use is problematic and you know I know there are some people who get fired up cancel culture and yada yada calling people snowflakes I didn't think we'd get this far down in the whole time but here we are and uh yeah I don't know it just it's it's a strange and unceremonious end to a unique part of hockey culture but it's the end of it and uh I guess with that we reach the end of our show we have to hit some questions the next one yeah so um would you so would you like to do the uh the na- our patrons at the end of the show or uh at the next one it's a good question uh let's do it for the next one because i don't have that open right now all right so yeah so i will uh i'll take care of this in uh editing you know but, what? Uh, yeah son of a bitch i'm opening it right now tom the people deserve better i'm gonna open it just fill time for me tom yeah, I'll fill time. So, uh, like Talking last week, the I first time you bought illegal fireworks. Tell me about that. Well, I wanted to give a, an update on Bear Watch. Uh, so last There's week, I s- Bear Watch. Well, the update is there is no update. Um, a lot For of the bears sake. in the neighborhood have uh, they've sort of disappeared. Like we haven't had as many sightings uh, in the you know the greater Woodbury area, and uh, it's uh, getting around that time where. You know the bears are going to hibernate for the winter, um, but yeah, it's been uh, there's been quite a lull. I mean, usually I was getting like a few updates a week, you know, from people, you know, complaining about them getting into their garbage or they're eating, you know, what you know shrubbery they had left over, or you know, now it's just a lot bears of do com- love shrubbery. A lot of complaining just about you know a new traffic pattern and uh, you know a lot of uh, stupid stuff. But um, well, thanks for. Thanks for bearing with me, Tom. Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amriel Kister, Andrew Chicago, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callan, Captain America. He's done with the Marvel movies. He has time to be a patron. Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark O'Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Crozy, Dan Zampor, Dana DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Lippman, aka 50, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine Francis, Joe, the first BSB patron. Now you have to change your name to Tom because Joe's gone. John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, George Zone, Keith Fridcillo, Kyle Napolitano. That, I'm going to get better at saying that name, Kyle, one of these days. Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Sammy Vogel-Seidenberg, Stephanie Benvengo, Stieg Bjolbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, 
The Tin Man, Thomas Osa, Toy from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all very, very much uh, for being our patrons, making the this, this show possible. And uh, I'm looking forward to, with Tom on board, we're going to try and, you know, do more things, make the Patreon a little more active with posts, and, you know, try to make it a little more... A little more bang for your buck, I'm hoping. We'll have to. We're gonna go through a little bit of, you know, a transition period, but maybe figure out some new merch. Maybe a keychain, Tom. Maybe a bottle opener. Yeah, maybe the options are. Uh, People like pens. Yeah, clicky, clicky things. You know, things that you can you sort of you know fidget with, distract. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm like I said. Do uh, the kids still the have a fidget spinner? Is that still a thing? Yeah, fidget spinners are. Uh, they're a trend that I thought would die around? out. But yeah, but now it's even things like like fidget like dice where you have like a clicker on one side, a scroll wheel on another, uh, right. I can't. a rattle That's and too much for it, me. But yeah, Although like there are uh, some people who have like uh, ner- like nervous like anxiety stuff, and it helps with that. I'm all for that. I just oh yeah, like totally. It's, the chil- it's can be helpful. The, chil- the children with their light up shoes and their Pokemans and their and their fidget spinners, I just don't understand. So yeah, so if you're looking for new things with the Patreon, um, you know, uh, we'll, uh, you know, put uh, probably within the next day or so, you know, or next week rather, just sort of like you know, generic post out there, and maybe you know things that you're you're interested in or things that we can do differently, um, you know, just to sort of get uh, some feedback and uh, get the most bang for your. I refuse uh, to change. Um, well, yes, we'll, tr- we'll we'll do what we can to make you happy. But uh, yeah, that wraps Much it like up. Like Don Cherry, I refuse to change. And uh, with that, I think we're good. We'll yeah, move on to the next we'll, show. Thanks for listening, we'll everybody. S- and uh, I'll talk to you all again uh, soon in a couple seconds, rather. <laughs>